0: Is The Talking Dead a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show The Walking Dead? Hey there, everybody. My name is Chris.
1: My name is Jason.
0: And this is The Talking Dead number 244, recorded Monday, November the 30th, 2015. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. It is the end of November. It is, uh, tomorrow is December and we are, and we are now through the mid-season finale for season six
1: of The Walking Dead. Now we have to wait till what? Mid-February? February the 14th. February the 14th. Yes. That date means something. What is it? Is it Valentine's Day? Oh yeah, it's Valentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't
0: 100% sure of that, but uh apparently it is Valentine's Day. So, we're in the we're officially in the off season, but only for the TV show. You and I are not in the off season yet, Jason. Oh, no, no, we are always on season. Well, we are. Well, maybe not always, but we've got this <laughs> podcast to do. We've got another one to do on Wednesday, and then we'll see what happens after that. So,
1: Yeah, uh, then we get lazy. Because we, we don't know exactly what's going to happen. We're not sticking to the rigorous schedule. No matter what happens, we're doing these damn podcasts. We'll, uh, we'll be a little more loosey-goosey. A little bit. you got to be loosey-goosey once in a while. But we do
0: have some things to do over the break, one of which, and I'm just going to throw it out there right now, is read and review the latest uh, novel in the Walking Dead series of novels. Yes. I've
1: got that queued up on my Audible, and I'm ready to start listening to it. All right. We've got to do that. Probably Thursday, because after we do the podcast on Wednesday, then I got to start working on something else. So Thursday morning, that's when I start listening to it.
0: Good, good. I'm glad you've got that scheduled in because we'll, and then we'll figure out when we're going to do that podcast, but uh, we're getting ahead of ourselves. We are here, of course, to recap episode eight. And uh, there's a couple of things before that though. Sort of not really corrections, but I got called out for something that I said last Good. week on the podcast. I love this part. <laughs> what happened? Well, I made some comments about, sorry, we had a listener write in um, and make some comments about how nice would it have been to have Aaron with Maggie when she sees the balloons. And it would have been a nice moment because they yeah. bonded and... And uh, she sees the balloons. She knows it's Glenn. It would have been an emotional moment for both of them. Well, I made a whole bunch of half-assed, harebrained comments about that being uh, a little weird because, you know, maybe she, her her husband is coming back and she. everyone thought he was dead. And, oh, look, there's this new guy moving in. He's hanging out. And, well, I completely forgot that Aaron's gay.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I remember you forgot before and I pointed it out. But uh, this time I figured I'll just let it go. <laughs> like, because I remember thinking that in the uh, in the moment that uh, maybe Chris doesn't remember that he's gay. No, I totally did not remember that at the t- at the time.
0: But you you can't blame me. I mean, good God, we found out he was gay last season, and have we even seen his? Oh no, he's husband? gone. Where the hell is he? That's have, a question I have. Haven't seen that guy this season at all. I don't think. I mean, maybe he was in the living room back in episode one was it when they were planning the the quarry thing but he certainly didn't have a line and i don't remember seeing him there so uh you know i i think i could be excused for forgetting that he even exists however um it is not uh you know i i shouldn't be excused necessarily for forgetting that aaron is gay and so uh my comments completely don't
1: hold any water uh basically who cares That's the way I think about it. I mean, why would, why should we care whether or not anybody's gay or not? I mean, just because he likes to fuck guys doesn't mean he doesn't like to fuck Maggie's, right? Uh, I guess not. So yeah. Anything is possible. Anything is possible. Yeah. You can't, you can't pigeonhole anybody.
0: No, no, you can't. Uh, And then there's one other thing here. So last week or the other, yeah, last week you couldn't remember what it was that you threatened to rage quit the podcast over? yeah. yeah. Yeah, what was that? Well, we had Danielle in Milton Keynes, England write in, and she says, I wanted to make sure that Jason definitely wasn't going to rage quit the podcast. So I went back through your previous posts to make sure he was safe. Jason actually said that he would rage quit the show if Glenn had been hallucinating while falling into the walkers, (sighs) and the storyline had continued with Glenn still on top of the dumpster. Love the podcast. Keep up the good work. Okay, well, thank God. Right. That didn't happen. Yeah. So you don't have to rage quit anything.
1: <laughs> yeah. And just, just to clarify, I would have rage quit the show, but I wouldn't have quit the podcast. Uh, yeah. So I, wouldn't, I, I just wouldn't watch it. You know, we'd review it. You'd tell me about stuff uh, that happened in the show and I would comment on it and then we'd go through feedback, but I wouldn't actually watch the episode.
0: To be honest with you, man, there is an idea in there somewhere where two people get together to talk about a dramatic TV show. One of them has seen it and one of them hasn't. And you get the commentary from the, the non-watcher about what it feels like um, maybe from the marketing of the show and what it feels like from having someone else describe it to them. That could be interesting with the right
1: people. It could be good. Let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> not for this show. No, no. not Some for other this show, some other time, but that's a good idea i don't know if it's a good idea but sometimes it's
0: an idea (laughs) sometimes the worst ideas turn out to be the best ideas so and sometimes the best ideas just take a big giant dump that's true too (laughs) um all right well speaking of big giant dumps let's get on to our recap of the mid-season finale of season six of the walking dead start to finish
1: start to finish (laughs)
0: <laughs> That's it. Those were our two title reads. Thank you awesome. to Gemma in Bryn Mawr, Wales and Jim on the internet. Uh, I enjoyed Jim's. It had a nice uh, lilt to it at the end. It was very nice. It was pretty good. <laughs> okay, so we, we start this episode and we're upstairs in Jesse's house and uh, Sam comes out of his room, walks down the hall and he leaves an eaten plate of food at the top of the stairs.
1: We just see his yep. feet. That's what I do. You do? I'm eating eating in bed and I'm all done. I just leave the, I just put the plate down I bet on the, the floor. I bet the cats love that. Yeah, and my wife too. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, he goes back into his room
0: and he's playing a record in there and lying on the floor drawing a picture. And the camera kind of pans over to the window and we see a parade of ants, a lot of ants, crawling up and down the window uh, frame. And the parade of ants leads down to some half-eaten food on a plate just that's sitting there. So that's been sitting there a little while. Yeah, and that's how you get ants. Leave food out, yeah. Yeah. I tell my children that all the time. <laughs> Don't leave your food <laughs> out because we're going to get ants. And then they see an ant and they're like, oh my God, an ant, what are we going to do? And then you blame your daughters for the ant? Uh, Well, it's usually their fault. They're the ones leaving food around.
1: Awesome. Because <laughs> why not?
0: Because <laughs> who else am I going to blame? Uh, we get the opening credits, so a quick cold open this time. Mm -hmm. When we come back, we see the tower fall over again from a different angle, dust just kicks up everywhere, and the walkers start coming in. Yeah. They're coming in through the dust. I did think it was a pretty, pretty nice shot, to be honest, where it's, it's quiet, the thing crashes down, dust kicks up, and you can't really see anything, and then, um, I would say slowly
1: the walkers come out, but it- I perceive them as moving pretty fast, I'll be honest with you. Well they're very excited. You know, all of a sudden this this uh Im- immovable object that they've been trying to get through for such a long time, and uh God has come down and toppled one of his churches in order to uh let them through the wall. And uh they're very excited about it, I would assume. Yeah, and so they're they're just sprinting through there for zombies.
0: Uh not tripping over any of the debris, uh just coming right in. So shamble sprinting. Shambles sprinting. Yeah. Um, we get Rick, he gets up and he's running away, shooting rock walkers. He's telling people to get in their house. Uh, generally panic is ensuing everywhere because, um, you know, these people don't know what to do. Uh, we see Carl and he runs off, but we see Ron behind him holding the gun. So Plan's foiled. Plan is foiled. And boy, is it lucky for Carl? Cause he was about to get a, seemed like he was about to get a bullet in his back mm-hmm. when uh, this wall fell down. We see Tara and Rosita grab Eugene and run away, and uh, then we see Diana sort of following Rick, and she shoots, or f- she fires at a walker, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> no, she shot him. She she winged him. Yeah, <laughs> she she winged him. Yeah, <laughs> um, she looked pretty awkward with that gun. I must admit. Yeah. Um, and it did remind me of Rick's, uh, little gun training scene with Ron when he said, you know, don't pull the trigger right away because you'll just be shooting from your chest level. You want to get it up to eye level. She was not at eye level. No, she was not. So shooting from the hip. Yeah. Or the, the chest, but, uh, either way she needs some Rick gun training. Mm. We see Morgan and Carol and they're running along and she falls and I guess bumps her head. Uh, Although I wasn't sure about it at this point. And uh, he gets her up and they run into the house where Morgan is holding the wolf in the basement, but they're upstairs on the second floor or the Mm -hmm. ground floor anyways. Uh, Deanna, back to her and Rick, she almost gets caught by some walkers. She gets knocked down and she falls on... Some kind of a saw blade, I guess.
1: Yeah. So I don't know who's leaving their tools lying around, but usually exposed saw blades left lying around are a bad idea generally. I mean, I guess they could have been working on the wall
0: and the tools were out and the circular saw was, I don't know, the the guard on it was broken. So the blade was out or it was something, I don't know, but she falls down and it takes a chunk out of her leg. Yeah. And uh, not too good. Um and uh Rick helps her up though and they run off and of course she's limping now so he's got to kind of carry her along. Um we see Maggie. Maggie is on the ground by the wall and she's being chased by walkers. She falls down, she shoots a few of them. Um but she manages to get up and she goes for a ladder up to one of the wall lookouts, right, a perch. A perch exactly. As she's climbing up though, the walkers knock the ladder down. Um so she ends up sort of hanging from the platform, which was pretty
1: uh, intense, I thought, you know. It it was. I mean, the ladder was tied up at the top. And uh, whoever did that tying at the top uh, in order to prevent the ladder from falling down did a piss poor job. Yeah. If you're going to tie a ladder at the top, you need to make sure it's secure. Yes. Yeah, if you're going to secure a ladder, secure the damn ladder. Yeah. Don't just tie a string on and go, yeah, it's fine. Well, I mean, the, the tying a ladder to a platform like that
0: is not so that Zombies can't get up, it's so that the ladder can't accidentally fall
1: down while you're up there right uh that too that and it doesn't fall down while you're trying to get up there, like as you're climbing up, it doesn't just kind of slip off and you go flying sideways well, sure, I
0: mean that that makes sense too, just for general safety, but it would be worse if you're stuck up there and I mean, a ladder falls down. Now, having said that, there are other people around, so someone could just come along and pick up the ladder. Yeah, but
1: wave a flag, you know, uh, <laughs> put up smoke signals, uh, you know, yell, hey, I'm stuck up on the perch. Can you get that ladder for me? Yeah. I, I suppose
0: it's not like you're the only person there, you know. Or if climb you... down, you lazy bastard. Well, <laughs> uh, we have seen Enid climb the wall. That's true. So it yeah. might not be that hard. Anyways, the ladder goes down, the zombies knock it down, Maggie's hanging off, and I was concerned for her. I was like, my God, if she falls now, she's done for. Um, But she manages to pull herself up safely, barely, and she collapses on the platform, surrounded by walkers below, and uh, we get another shot of the balloons, the green balloons floating away. Right. So we cut over to Eugene, and he is kind of hiding, standing against a building or something like that. Not kind of hiding. He's hiding. He's scared, you know, poopless. And he's just kind of stuck in a corner, (laughs) hoping that everybody (laughs) will ignore him. Yeah. And it seems to be what's happening. I mean, there are walkers around, but none of them are coming at him. And he hears Daryl on the radio, which we saw in the Daryl episode, when Daryl radios from the truck. And um, Eugene responds with help. There so you go. It was Eugene. It was Eugene on the radio the whole you, time. Didn't we have uh, people suspect that it was? It sounded like Eugene? We did, yeah. I mean, it. Uh, a lot of people suspected. It's not Glenn. It's Eugene, obviously. So yeah. clearly it was Eugene. And then the thing I didn't quite get about this scene, though, is suddenly Tara and Rosita show up and rescue him again. Like, yeah. didn't they have him a second ago? And what did they tell him to like, wait here, we'll go do something and come back and get you? I don't know. It's Serendipity. It was, I thought it was a little strange. It To me, it almost felt like they shot two scenes of Tara and Rosita rescuing Eugene, and then they put them both in. <laughs> <laughs> Could be. I don't know. It, it was weird. But uh, what they end up doing is hiding in a garage, and uh, they get the garage door down just in time, and there's this great shot of the walkers up against the garage door with their hands sort of banging on the window part of it. I thought it was really, uh, yeah. really effective. And scary, I mean, much. You don't have you, you know you don't have really anywhere to go when you're in a garage. Turns out this one had a door,
1: but uh, you know if the if that garage door didn't hold, they would be in big trouble. They would be, and garage doors uh, are not the best for holding because they got to span a very long distance, right, or a very wide distance. So there's not a lot of uh, structural support for. Uh, you know many, many people or zombies in this case pushing against it, so it's not a permanent solution by any stretch of the imagination.
0: no, but you know what they didn't seem all that afraid in there i'll be I'll be honest with you there was they, there was a huge crowd of walkers at the door, and uh they were like, all right, we're good now it, yeah well they
1: they read the script, they knew what was going to happen right, <laughs> right we don't course. know you never know yeah, if the script had said the door collapses, they might have been a little more nervous well that's that's why they say I, I say they read the script. Like, they know the script does not say the door collapses, so they're safe. Very good. Um, Rick, he is helping a limping
0: Deanna as they run away. Uh, They're joined up by Michonne, Father Gabe, Carl, and Ron. So now there's a group of them running away. They've got walkers behind them, and suddenly a bunch appear in front. So it looks like they're surrounded and, and, you know, in, in a bit of trouble here. But suddenly Jesse starts shooting And they all run into her house. Good. And they get away. And once they get inside, the camera pans back to the street. And I thought it was a little funny because it did not look like there were that many walkers right outside that house. Uh, Not at this point, but uh, in the near future, I'm sure. I know. But in just, you know, just before they get rescued by Jesse, it seemed like they were surrounded in pretty tight quarters by zombies. They run in the house. And then there's like none on the street in front of the house and they're all kind well, they of still getting them.
1: there.
0: I know, but we didn't really see that. I felt like, I felt like they were surrounded. The house was right there and they, they immediately ran in, but I guess they outran them. They came from, you know, a half block away or something. Well, that's what I assumed is that they completely outran them because, uh, they can run faster than zombies can shamble run. Well, they definitely can. They definitely can. So now everybody who we care about in Alexandria <laughs> has kind of broken off into various groups and hiding places. So here's what I wrote down in terms of who is where to keep okay. to keep you you know to keep you uh, organized. We've got Morgan and Carol in the house that's under construction um on the main floor. We've got Dr. Denise downstairs in that same house with the alpha wolf who's tied up and she's there because you know morgan left her there in the last episode when he wanted her to treat his wound we've got maggie alone on the wall perch Yep. we've got glenn and enid outside the wall who are just looking in and then in jesse's house we've got rick carl michonne jesse ron sam father gabe and deanna And I don't think I'm forgetting anybody in Jesse's house, but that's the biggest group. Where's Aaron? Aaron, we did not see in this episode. He is gone. Where the hell is he? Well, he could be out. Uh, no, I don't think he's out because he's been around since the zombies got there. Right. So we just didn't see him. He just wasn't in this episode. And I'll be honest, that bothered me a little bit. Like just throw him into one of the groups or give us a scene where, you know, he's in a house with a bunch of mystery Alexandrians that
1: we don't know. Like he- Just take a cardboard cutout of the actor and put him behind a window in a house someplace and pan past it. (laughs) Pan past it with his arm up and a big smile like he's waving yeah (laughs) okay all right there's Aaron good we're good
0: yeah just so we know where he is but you're right it, it bothered me that he wasn't there I feel like he's an important character on the show now even though he hasn't had a lot of time but we need we need to know what he's up to yeah we go outside the wall though and Glenn and Enid are there and uh he is Glenn is sort of thinking you know how they can get in he thinks they can get in on the west wall I think he says but Enid's all mopey again and she wants to give up and uh, he reminds Earl, he mentions his pregnant wife and that's what seems to sort of get to her and think maybe, you know, maybe there is a reason to
1: try to fight for our friends. <gasps> Enid's pregnant. Enid, no, I, well. Enid's pregnant, that's why she's all feeling so uh, helpful when uh, talking about a pregnant woman. Well, maybe, maybe she's having Ron's baby. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's what be. I think. All right, well, good, uh, good speculation there. Um, but Glenn is basically like, you know, my wife's pregnant. We got to get in and help. And he says that uh, she can be afraid and run away if she wants, but that's how you lose people.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so and then and then Glenn just turns and runs off and goes around a corner. I thought was that was kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It was unintentionally comedic for me for some reason. Right. Uh, back in the, back in Jesse's house, Sam's upstairs listening to his music. The whole group busts in, everyone's panicking. They put Deanna in a bed because she's hurt herself. And, uh, Sam, who is, you know, on shaky ground mentally at the best of times, kind of goes into slow motion here for a minute. He goes
1: into slow motion every time he sees Rick. Is that what it is? It's a Rick uh, fixation. He's pissed off because Rick killed his dad. Well, that seems to be a theme running in that, in the children of that family. Yeah. So it's not just, uh, it's not just what's going on in the house. It's, uh, when Rick is, uh, in his field of vision, that's when, uh, that's when things slow down and go weird. Interesting. Well, maybe he thinks of Rick as one of the monsters, sort of like his brother, you know? Yeah. And Carol told him that he had to kill in order to not be a monster. So he's the threat to Rick right now. Well, maybe. If he doesn't get everybody killed, a crazy bastard. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We'll get to that.
0: Um, but Jesse comes and tells him to pretend he's not scared, to just basically man up and pretend you're someone who's not scared. Suck it up, little man. Which I'm sure is a lot easier said than done. I mean, good God. Kids are scared and it's hard for them to pretend they're not.
1: Yeah, well, what do, you, what do you do? You either tell them to man up or you uh, slap them or you strangle them until they're dead and they're not a problem anymore. Yeah. Just don't let Carol near
0: him. Jesus. I'm, (laughs) it's part of me wishes that one of those things would happen, to be quite honest with you. (laughs) Um, well, and yeah, Jesse tells him not to be scared, which is uh, great motherly advice. Just stay here and don't be scared. You'll be fine. Yeah, We cut over to Morgan and Carol, and they are in the construction house, of course. She seems to not be in the greatest shape. She looks like she has a head injury. She's bleeding Mm -hmm. from the forehead a little bit. So that's how I figured she bumped her head when she fell down earlier.
1: Right. Yeah. She's got a noggin injury. That's right. That's the technical term. A noggin, right. Yeah. Noggin injury.
0: Well, um, she says that she doesn't trust Morgan, um, but didn't think he was an outright liar. And, uh, she tries to get up, but she's all wobbly and, you know, goes to fall down and Morgan tells her to sit down and rest. He says, whatever they have to settle, it can wait. And she kind of seems to agree at this point and as do I, you know, there are bigger things going on here right now. Uh, we, camera's on Carol and it does a pan down through the floor to the room where Denise is there with the alpha wolf. Very nice. I didn't catch that pan just in transition yeah it was nice just in case i guess people were unsure about where everyone was you can you know infer from this that we're in the same house we're just a floor down so important to know that for later yeah um so denise and the wolf are talking about the bad things the wolf has done and how he thinks that you know none of the people should be here uh i Really what he's saying is what he's been saying all along, that you guys have had it way too easy and you don't deserve this place. You don't deserve to be here at all. Um, You know, she accuses him of killing people and he says, no, I freed them. So he doesn't see it as murder or killing. And he tells Denise that his wound isn't a bite, but just a cut from when he was breaking into a car. (laughs) (laughs) I cut myself on the bumper. On the rusty bumper. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And Denise goes on to tell him that, you know, you weren't born this way. You changed into something, or you changed into whatever you are now, and uh, I don't like it.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Nobody seems to, but she takes out her stuff to
1: treat them so she's going to do her doctor's duties. Well, she's got the hippopotamus oath to, to adhere to, right? Where she, she has to help somebody. You're right. Doctors have to help other people until they are unable to. Yeah, just I, like hippopotamuses. I'm, that's yeah, why that's they right. call it that.
0: Of course they do. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's an over simplification of the rule, but, uh, (laughs) we'll have to, we'll have to go with it. Uh, we go over to Michonne and she's treating Deanna and Rick comes in and they realize that Deanna has a very obvious big bite mark on her side.
1: Yeah. So when she fell down and hit her leg on the saw blade, there was, uh, there was a, a biter right next to her. And I guess the biter was able to take a bite. I guess so. It was clearly teeth marks on her flesh there. And
0: so that's bad news for Deanna. She doesn't look like she's going to survive for very much longer. Uh, But we go to a commercial and we come back and we've got a scene of Rick talking to Jesse about Deanna dying. And uh, he says that she doesn't have long, but she's in good spirits and cracking jokes. So might as well go out cracking jokes. Um, and they talk briefly about Rick trying to get to the armory and he thinks he can distract the walkers and lead them away. Right. So this always seems to be his plan. It's to lead walkers away somewhere and hopefully just take them away and they won't bother us anymore. Yeah. Seems to be always what he wants to do. We you go- can't kill them all. No, sometimes you just gotta send them on their way. Yeah. Uh, we go back to Michonne and Deanna and Michonne is saying that Deanna's plans, like the plans that she wrote out on that paper, could work even after all of this. And uh, Deanna talks about being lucky because she had her family through everything and she got to do what she wanted right up until the end. And she asks Michonne, you know, what she wants, but Michonne doesn't really have an answer. She doesn't know what she wants to make out of this sort of new zombie life. Yeah. Um, back with Carl, and he follows Ron into the garage and finds him in there crying because he thinks Enid's dead, and he really thinks everybody's dead. Like, he's he's kind of lost hope here. And uh, Carl says, you know, my dad will figure something out, which probably isn't the right thing to say to Ron, because Ron comes back with, your dad's a killer, And Carl says, yeah, well, so is yours, Yeah. (laughs) Um, but we need to work this out. But Ron goes to lock
1: the door and pull his gun on Carl, but Carl charges him and they have a fight. Yeah. So my dad could beat up your dad. In fact, my dad can kill your dad. Oh, well, that sucks. And then, yeah, they just have a, they're going to have a boy gunfight. Right.
0: And they end up breaking a window uh to a, a door you know that leads to the outside this attracts a bunch of zombies they start coming in and uh Rick and Jesse are outside now that the garage door is locked because Ron locked it um Rick starts to try and hack the knob off with his with his axe or his hatchet mm-hmm. and they escape into the house just in time as the garage starts to fill up with zombies
1: yeah very
0: lucky Very, very lucky. And then from the inside, they try to barricade the door with a couch.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know why that's that's funny. It's funny. It
0: it kind of is. (laughs) Like, they were able to get a couch up on its end and up against
1: that door, like, in seconds. (laughs) What about the dining table? That might be a better idea.
0: Well, it probably wouldn't. Yeah, it might block the door. I don't know. Maybe it's not as easy to move the dining table.
1: Well, no, because and that's why it's laughable, because the couch is, you know, relatively light apparently, because they can just drag it in, flip it up, push it against the door. Yeah. I mean, it makes an effective barrier, but I don't know. You know what I would do? You know, if I didn't have the dining table, I'd use the couch and then I'd send uh, somebody over to take another door off the hinges, off its hinges, and bring me as many doors as you could find and let's build ourselves a barricade. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, but I don't know if you have
1: the time for that. The thing about the couch- well, that's why you start with the couch. So you just, yeah. you have something to block on, to hold on to. But, you know, uh, people are, you know, not everybody's holding onto the couch and there's other people in the house, right? Right. Go get me some doors.
0: The thing, the thing about the couch that I thought was silly is that they have it up on its end. I mean, a couch like that is just going to fall down. A couch that's on its end is easy to push over. Yeah. Leave the couch on its feet- And just push it up against the door. All you really need to do is prevent the door from opening, right? When, and if a couch is down on its feet, it's as good as a table. In fact, it's better because it might be heavier than the table. Yeah. And then just push it against the door (laughs) instead. No, they flip it up on its end, try to awkwardly push it against the garage door. And, you know, anyone could just push on that door and probably knock the couch over. And zombies are good at pushing.
1: So. You know what might even be better is if everybody grabbed an umbrella Opened them up and then held the made a barricade of umbrellas <laughs> so the zombies couldn't get through.
0: Yeah, maybe
1: a, uh, a <laughs> that's sh- my idea. A shotgun umbrella would be
0: really great. Oh, yeah, like the penguin. That's right. Batman. That, he had a shotgun. Oh,
1: yeah, that's right. He had all kinds of things in the, in the umbrellas. He had the he had swords and, and uh, poisonous gas, and he could use one as a helicopter. There was all kinds of stuff. He was go go gadget umbrella. He okay. was. Well, you know, he needed his toys
0: and he decided to make them in the form of umbrellas. During all the chaos here, while they're putting the couch up against the door, Rick asks Carl what happened in there. And instead of ratting out uh, uh, Ron, Carl covers for him by saying they were looking for tools and, uh, you know, the, the zombies started coming in. And then Carl follows Ron into another room And points his gun at him and asks Ron for the gun that he has, because, you know, we can't have him walking around with a gun anymore. And Carl says, I get it. My dad killed your dad, but you need to know something. Your dad was an asshole. Yeah. (laughs) Which I must admit was a pretty funny line. It was good. Uh, It was pretty good. Um, But uh, I thought it was interesting that, like, why do you think Carl didn't say he tried to kill me? Like, he pulled a gun on me. He's pissed off that that you killed his dad, Pete.
1: It's a, it's a leadership quality, you know, by, uh, by doing that, he, he may win, win him over to his side and he might be more loyal going on. I mean, uh, Glenn tried the same thing with, uh, what's his eyebrows? Nicholas. Nicholas, right? So, uh, so I don't know, it's uh, just, it seems like, uh, every, every life is precious. So, uh, and people make mistakes. So I, I, I applaud his effort to, uh, to, to, keep this between them yeah it's a tough
0: thing though because you know someone tries to kill you and you still try to win them over i mean that's a that's the morgan attitude right yeah um but i can see that i can see what you're saying maybe carl just wants to try and dominate this kid and
1: not necessarily dominate i think he wants to be friends i've made lots of friends
0: by getting into fights i don't know if he wants to be friends i think he wants to control him he wants to be the you know the number one guy here the alpha guy pessimistic. Oh, come on. You, someone pulls a gun on you and actually wants to kill you. I don't know, man.
1: I think that's oh. uh, I think that's, that's a lot to ask of someone. It It is, but I, I, I don't think it's a, a manipulation thing. I think it's a, you know, trying to help him thing. Hmm. All right. Well, that's sort of what this part
0: of this season has been about a little bit. When you figure Morgan's going through the same thing. I don't know. Can you help someone that, uh, really has their priorities that messed up. Right. Can Um, you help an asshole or do you have to kill him? Yeah, well, if you ask Carl or Rick, (laughs) your dad was an asshole. Uh, But we go to a commercial break and when we come back, we hear Judith crying, which is not a good thing when there's zombies all over the place. Rick goes upstairs and he finds Deanna hunched over the playpen and, you know, nearly axes her in the head before realizing she's still alive. Yeah. So, but it really did from back behind look like she had died, turned, and was going after the baby. So I don't blame Rick for being a little cautious there.
1: You don't leave a dying, bitten person alone without somebody uh, able to dispatch them when needed. Yeah. Well, they figured that out pretty quickly here, and especially in a room with a baby, (laughs) you know? Yes.
0: Um, But Deanna says she just wanted to see Judith one more time. And, uh, but she kind of collapsed on her way there, so she was not doing so well. And Rick helps her up and into bed, and he says somebody needs to stay with her.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you need to be
0: assisted into the afterlife as needed. A little bit, yeah. Now, Deanna gives Rick two notes that she wrote, one for Spencer, her son, and one for Maggie. And uh, she asks Rick to look out for him, for Spencer, and they agree that everybody— there are now rick's people right and she reminds rick that he is one of us and that was the right answer so i save spencer not because he was your son because but because he is one of our people right and we look after our people which is a nice message but what about these two notes like i can understand deanna writing a note to her son yeah um but frankly, where was he? Like, I guess he was stuck in another house somewhere. But again, would it He's have with been with Aaron, wherever Aaron is? Maybe. But would it have been that hard to to write him into this episode somehow? Eh, maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. But the other one's for Maggie, and I assume that's just because Maggie and Deanna had been working close together. Yep. Yep. All this time, they bonded. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it did feel a little strange to me. Uh, well, we don't know what the, what the note says, right? No, that's true. And I guess you're Maggie.
1: I don't don't know you really. And uh, (laughs) I just met you, but you know, good luck. But I think you'll be a great match for my son. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Dump that Glenn guy if he's not dead already and uh, go talk to my son. He seems nice. What is it about me wanting to hook everybody up with Maggie? Spencer, it's just you just I I think you just don't like the Glenn Maggie thing. You want everybody. uh, uh, You think Maggie has made the wrong choice. Spencer's not gay, is he? I don't think so. Okay, I don't
0: think so either, but if he I is- I think
1: maybe you just want to get together with Maggie. Well, there's, and, there's uh, that. That's the only logical choice in your heart of hearts. No other man can have her. Yes. <laughs> that may be it. Not uh, Lauren Cohen, Maggie. Right, right, right. Yes, make sure it's very that... important to make that distinction. Yes, absolutely. This is pure and utter fantasy. Fantasy. <laughs> we go to the
0: garage- uh, again, and Eugene is in there reading the history of the world. See, By lighter light. Yeah, in a pretty well-lit room. During which, the day. Yeah, during the day. And for a guy who panics at the sound of walkers, he seems awfully calm considering there's a whole crap load of them right outside
1: that garage door. Maybe, maybe he's just looking at the pictures. You know, when I get uh, antsy and I start to, you know, I sit and try and read, I'll end up reading the same paragraph like six, seven times, right? So maybe he's not reading at all. Maybe he's just, uh, you know, trying to read in order to calm his mind. Trying to calm himself just by distraction, really. Yeah, the letter doesn't make any sense though. I don't know what the hell's going on there.
0: That was a little strange. Um, And so Rosita and Tara there, of course, and she's, Rosita's starting to lose a bit of hope. Um, but Tara tells her that this is not the end. Don't worry. It's not the end. She says that a place like Alexandria has got to have a price and that they have to earn such a nice place. And uh, I guess they haven't paid the price yet because this is it. <laughs> yeah, you be. don't stop paying until the uh, the price is paid. That's right. Um, and they decide that they need to get into the house by picking or by shooting the lock off the door. But then Eugene pipes up and says, you know what? I can pick locks and gets to work. Nice. So it is within. I've always wanted to learn how to pick locks. It is within. I don't, what did he, where did he pull that lock picking device out of? It looks like he took it out of the book. So he was just sitting there holding on to a a bent paperclip and that's all he needed to like get in the lock? All he needs is a paperclip. Really? Uh, No, I have no idea. All he needs is a paperclip. Okay. Well, he's got... He's got lock picking master skills. And so he can use yes. anything. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, he gets to work. We don't see him pick the lock. We, well, how uh, boring would that be? Well, I don't know. It depends on how long it took him.
1: Well, it takes a long time to pick a lock, especially with a paper clip. All right. I guess and, so. And, and you need two paper clips. Okay. Well, I need I'm, a paper clip and a screwdriver, maybe.
0: I'm going to assume he had another one ready to go. Go
1: then. go watch videos on how to pick locks. They're fascinating. You've been trying to teach yourself, have you? No, I mean, you stumble across stuff on the internet, right? Various videos and such. Naturally. And some of the videos that I found on uh, one was how to pick a lock. And I'm like, wow, that's an interesting subject. And I looked at other videos on how to pick locks. And uh, the theory makes sense. I've never actually physically tried it, but I've always wanted to learn. Ask your wife to
0: lock you in the basement and see how long it takes you to get out it wouldn't be hard the door is pretty flimsy <laughs> just kick it by by picking the lock not kicking it down
1: oh there's no lock on that door well you know what I'm saying uh, I could just take an old lock from when we changed the locks on the house and sit and watch TV and practice you could do that too
0: there you go yeah. Anyways, Eugene gets to work picking that lock and we have another camera transition up this time, up through the floor to Carol. So now what they're telling us, which I did not realize before this, is that Eugene, Tara and Rosita are in the garage that's attached to the house that Carol and Morgan, Morgan, Carol and Morgan Morgan, (laughs) and everybody else is in. Nice. So that's helpful. Um Morgan is watching over Carol upstairs. He goes to take a look downstairs and suddenly the lights go off and Carol's gone. And he's, Magic. yeah, he starts looking around, but she jumps out, pushes him down and runs down the stairs. So Carol was faking it. <laughs> she just wanted to, you know, distract Morgan or wait till that she had her moment and she could get downstairs. So we go into Jesse's house. Walkers are pushing through all the doors. Michonne starts killing them in awesome fashion with her sword. And everybody runs upstairs because where else are you going to go when uh, downstairs is starting to fill up with walkers? Right. Bring the couch. Well, they, they block the stairs with the couch. So they <laughs> managed to... <laughs> Don't forget the couch. Don't forget. We're gonna, we might need to sit on that later. <laughs> um, they managed to block the stairs with the couch and Rick... Chops a zombie and says, you get the other one, we're going to need at least two. Did you
1: see the zombie with a stick in his face? Yeah, he had one right through his face, right? There was a number of zombies in this uh, this group that had stuff sticking through them, like sticks and weird things.
0: I mean, do you think that's because they'd been traipsing around through the bush and stuff, and they fall
1: down and get shit stuck in their face? And No, there was no logical reason for it. Like, they were in a quarry, right? Yeah. So where are they going to go? Well, I guess they got into the quarry eventually. So maybe they got stuck in the face with sticks and then, uh, from hanging from a tree for a year or so, the branch broke and then they ended up in the quarry with a tree sticking out of their face. I don't know. Or just all those zombies pushing on each other, you know, in the
0: forest, someone gets a a stick in the eye and it stays there. I don't know, but it did look pretty cool. I thought he had a, he had a stick through his cheeks. Um... What, uh, where were we? So they run upstairs, right, and Rick chops a zombie, says, we're going to need two. Uh, We go back to Carol. She comes down into the basement where the wolf is with her knife, and Morgan comes running behind her with his staff, and uh, he says, listen, Carol, this could have waited, but it can't now. Yeah. So basically, Carol wants to kill the wolf. And that's a good plan. Well, it is, but that's kind of it. Like, all this was all about her getting downstairs to kill this guy, um, meanwhile, like the zombie apocalypse is happening outside. <laughs> I mean, I know it's been happening for a while, but like there's a rather <laughs> urgent, there's a rather, rather urgent zombie crisis
1: happening outside. Nah, they've been surrounded by zombies many times. Hey, well, Carol, I mean, she doesn't seem to be afraid of anything, so. Yeah, it's, it's not a big deal. It's, uh, she, she knows what needs to be done. So she, uh, she tries to take care of it. That's
0: true. How after a commercial break, we have Rick, he's pulling a zombie upstairs and he explains to everyone that they're going to put on the stench coat and all go walking through the zombie crowd to the armory. So they start cutting into the zombies and uh, Father Gabe's standing there and he looks like he's going to puke and it's because he finds this rather disgusting, which I don't blame him. And he asks about Deanna and they all realize together you know, silently that she's not
1: going to be coming along. No. No. She's, yeah, she, if they wait a little while, they could use her as part of the stench coat stuff. Yeah, that's but that true. might be a little weird.
0: Yeah. And how tough would that be? I mean, it's one thing to cut up a zombie of someone you don't know. It's another thing to cut up your like friend, right?
1: Yeah. But well, I don't know, but in, in a pinch, I assume so.
0: In, in a pinch. I mean, you got to cut up who you got to cut up, right? Um, back with that's Morgan. That's what I always say. Yeah, exactly. Back with Morgan and Carol, they're arguing about whether or not to kill the wolf, which was just fascinating TV. And they basically outline their opposing philosophies, which we both already know, or everyone already knows. Yeah. And uh, Carol says that she doesn't want to kill Morgan, but she... Um, and he says that she doesn't have to and he won't let her. Right. <laughs> Thanks, you guys. <laughs> uh, sorry, I don't mean to be so down on this scene, but I was not all that impressed with the uh, Morgan and Carol storyline in this one, which maybe we'll talk about more in a minute. We go back to Michonne and she comes in to see Deanna and Michonne explains the situation and offers to kill Deanna, which is nice of her, I guess. Um, But uh, Deanna shows Michonne her gun and says that she's... She'll do it herself when she's ready. It's yep. not quite there yet. And she quotes the Latin that was written on the map a number of, or uh, the plans a m- number of episodes ago. And she tells everyone what it means, which in case you forgot is someday this pain will be useful. And uh, Michonne thanks her for believing in all of this. And Deanna reminds her to think about what she wants and then says, give them hell. Give him hell. (laughs) Go out there and give him hell. Um, So back in the other room, everybody's covering themselves with the guts. And Sam comes in, who, you know, is clearly, uh, you know, disturbed by all this, as we know. And Jesse explains to him what's going on. And once again, she tells him, you just got to pretend you're somebody who's brave. (laughs) (laughs) Don't be yourself. Pretend you're somebody else who's brave. you You know, how hard can that be?
1: Never underestimate the human power of denial. Yeah, I I suppose. Uh, there's no zombies downstairs. There's no zombies outside. Everything's fine. Yeah, yeah if you can deny something,
0: it's not a problem. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't exist. Back with Carol and Morgan, they're still arguing. Uh, she says she will kill Morgan in order to kill the wolf to prevent anybody else from dying. And the wolf pipes up and says, yeah, you should kill me. <laughs> Yeah. You know, if I were you guys, I'd kill me. That makes sense. Yep. Morgan knocks the knife from her hand and they fight and he ultimately gets Carol down and unconscious. And while he's standing there looking at her, as always happens, the wolf jumps up, picks up his staff and knocks out Morgan. So now both of them are down. Isn't that helpful to everybody? No. Denise yells, no, but it's too late because Mr. Wolf grabs a knife and points it at her. Yep. So now he has the upper hand. After all of this, this is the way this is playing out. He knocks everybody out and gets a knife. So everybody else in the house, they're getting ready to walk through the zombies. Father Gabe reassures Rick that he's ready and he won't turn back. Okay, <laughs> great. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. It's good to know, Gabe. Uh, Rick Rick says, I know, but I just get the feeling he was thinking, yeah, I don't care. You know, whatever, man. Yeah. Um, back with the wolf in the basement, he cuts his own wrist bindings and Denise is trying to talk to him about how he doesn't have to kill them. And he approaches her with the knife. But just then Tara, Rosita and Eugene come in from the garage door pointing their weapons and, uh, the wolf gets the knife to to Denise's throat and makes the three of them drop their weapons.
1: That's just dumb. You, You don't give somebody your weapon.
0: Yeah, it did seem a little silly. Um, I'd have pulled the trigger
1: and just hoped you hit him and not. Uh, well, what's the alternative, Denise? right? If he, uh, you know, in a situation like that, you give him your weapons, all of a sudden everybody's dead, right? Right? Instead of just uh, him or, uh, or the doctor. So take your shot. You know, what's the worst that could happen? You shoot the doctor and then you shoot him, and you go, damn. Yeah. Shot the doctor. That didn't
0: really work out like I wanted to, but at least we're still alive. Yes. Right? Uh, yeah. I I think you're probably right. And I think a lot of people agree with you. Um, but they don't do that. They drop their weapons, including uh, Eugene, who has a machete.
1: <laughs> and uh, they slide them over. He didn't even ask for the machete. He's like, give me your guns. That's true. Right? And, and Eugene's like, oh, I'll just give him this too. Yeah, I, yeah. I would have kept a machete. He didn't ask for it. I would be like, oh, okay, well.
0: <laughs> make, the, make the guy say what he wants. Like, that's yes. that's what you got to do. You got to be clear. That's true. If he wants all the weapons, be clear about it. Yeah. Mr. Wolf takes the guns and he makes his way out, taking Denise with him. So they royally screwed this up, the three of them. Uh, they just let the wolf get away. Now, to be fair, he's walking out into the town that's jam-packed full of zombies but he took the only doctor with him, so... Yeah, and their and they're guns. And their guns. Like, nothing really worked out for anybody here. Yeah. Um, in the house, Carl takes Judith... In the other house, Carl takes Judith and puts her under his stench coat, so he's going to be carrying her. And they slowly go past the couch and through the house full of zombies into, I think, into the kitchen. Yeah. Um, and it was jam-packed with zombies, but they seemed to be walking past them no problem.
1: I've been to parties like that. It's crazy.
0: Yeah, but you weren't covered in gore. Well, you might have been. I, well,
1: I didn't say, but I, <laughs> I happened to be... It, I wasn't. Okay, but... Uh, I was pretty drunk, though. <laughs> yes. <yeah>, so, <laughs> so fair. You might not have known. Yeah. Um,
0: They are walking through. We see Glenn and Enid for only the second time this episode, and they climb a tree just outside the wall, and they see Maggie stuck on the platform. So Glenn got eyes on Maggie and he probably feels pretty good about that. Yay, he saw his wife from across the way. Hooray, there she is over there. She seems to be in rough shape. Um, Deanna, in her room by herself, she puts the gun to her head, but she hears well, to her chin, really, but she hears zombies outside the bedroom door. So she gets up, goes to the door, opens it, and starts shooting as they approach. Yeah. And I counted the bullets she fired six times. She did. And then does a silent scream at the zombies. And by that was silent the best
1: part of the whole episode, that face. It was a, a freaky looking face. Yeah. It was it was rage and fear and, and uh, denial and uh, defiance. It was beautiful. It was, and it frightened me. Like
0: if I were those zombies, I would have stopped in my tracks. <laughs> you know? Um, but the whole idea, I mean, she just used up all her bullets, I, I assume. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, that gun probably only holds six. Generally, uh, revolvers hold five or six. Right. But she also shot three times earlier in the episode with what I presume is the same gun. So that one seems to hold nine. She can
1: reload. I guess. She had lots of time while she was stumbling over to try and see Judas and, she probably, her pockets are probably full of loose rounds that she could put back into the, uh, into, into I, the revolver. I guess,
0: I guess we have to assume that her pockets are full of ammo. So maybe she was able to reload, but it doesn't, in the moment right there in that hall, I think she was out. Least, oh yeah. She, yeah, she totally emptied that thing. The gun was empty. So that's it. That's the last we see of Deanna. We go out on the porch and our group covered in stench coats, um, are standing there. They see the streets are just packed with zombies. They all take hands and they slowly move down the stairs through the sea of zombies. And Sam pipes up and starts saying, Mom? 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 What a dumbass. Three times. And we cut to black. And the zombie sounds seem to intensify just sort of as the the, uh, episode ends. The end. Mitzi's finale done. Till February. Until Valentine's Day. So... That was it, Jason. I I don't know what to think about this episode. Because I think there was I think there was a lot of good here and I I I would say that this was an okay episode, but I think it may not have met my expectations. Well, as a finale, no. As a filler episode, possibly. How can you call the mid-season finale filler, though? Like that's, Well,
1: it, it would have worked as a filler episode, possibly, but I, it, this does not work as a mid-season finale. I think what you're saying is that if this was positioned
0: as a filler, like if this was a transition episode or something, this would have been actually a really great one. Uh, well, I wouldn't go Maybe. great. Well, I, I, I mean, you don't have high—generally, people don't have high expectations for what you'd call a filler episode, right? But— if you get this, as opposed to a regular sort of filler, this is pretty good. And, and I do think this episode was really good, but it let me down because, um, I had certain expectations, I think, for, for this mid-season finale and none of it panned out. But is that my problem or is it the show's problem?
1: Well, I mean, it's a collaboration between the, uh, you know the producers of the show, like the. I know by producers I mean everybody involved in making this show and the audience. It's uh, you know they they release it with their ideas, but uh, it's uh, it's us as audience members that uh, imbues meaning because mm-hmm. you have to individually imbue meaning to something. You can't uh, you can't make something something mean something to somebody else. You can only make what you think it means, and then they will interpret it in their own lives. So it's not their fault or your fault. It's a collaboration between you and them. And if that collaboration falls short, I don't know if there's any particular side of the blame that you should assign.
0: Yeah, but I I'm I'm not sure I'm not so sure about that. I mean, I get what you're saying, but like I I sat there at the end of this thinking to myself, why didn't I like this episode? Like because I do think it was good. I think it was exciting. I think there was lots of action. There was some great tension. I must admit the scene in the garage with Carl and Ron when they're fighting, I really thought something horrible was about to happen there. And I was super tense about it. But then nothing did. And at the end, you you really think something insane or exciting or horrible is going to happen as they're going through the zombies. And then it just ends. And I, f- I feel like maybe that's not the show's problem maybe i brought too much with me into this and expected too many things and in that way i was let down but is that my fault or is that even a fair criticism of the show i i'm not so sure it is because i go i go in with comic book knowledge i go in with um you know what i what i expect is going to happen based on the story that they're telling and if i'm let down by those things or I don't feel like they the show lived up to what I expected them to do, I think that might be my problem and not the show's problem. You think so? Well— You're going you're gonna to go ahead and blame yourself? Maybe not 100%, because— no matter what my expectations are, the show should be able to stand on its own and surprise me and entertain me and so on. And in some ways it did. Like I was entertained during this episode. And like I said, I thought there were plenty of scenes of good tension, even though I didn't like all the Carol and Morgan stuff. I thought that was a little bit wasted. In some ways they were just reiterating everything we already knew. And it felt like uh, the scenes where they were, at odds down in the basement while, you know, the wolf is sitting there, do it tied up. It felt like those were just the same thing over and over again a few times. So yeah. that didn't work for me, but the rest of the episode I did, um, it, it did seem to work. It just didn't do what I wanted it to do. And that's what I mean by maybe this is more my problem than, than the show's problem, but
1: I If don't it's know. any consolation, I blame you as well. <laughs> the whole thing is your fault, man. Yeah, I just, it's, it's, it's your fault. The show was a little, this episode was a little lackluster, didn't quite get there. But
0: uh, yeah, it's your fault. Okay, well, it's my fault. Um, I did have another problem with it, and I feel like this is something they really could have done better. Michonne and her relationship with Deanna fell flat for me. I thought that these two characters have barely interacted on this show. Before this episode, yet here we're supposed to believe that they have this deep, meaningful relationship. And I know they've had scenes together and so on, and they tried to set it up with Michonne looking over Deanna's plans and coming to the realization that these are good plans and these are good ideas and we'll get through all this and stuff. But I just didn't really buy the fact that these were like really connected people because I didn't feel like we've ever seen that deep connection before. People can bond in these moments and they don't have to bond before them. Well, <laughs> true enough. <laughs> but I think we needed some sort of pretense for it. Right. Right. I mean, to me, Why not have Maggie take Michonne's place? Why not have Michonne be stuck on the wall and put Maggie in the house? We know that Deanna and Maggie have been working together since they got there. They have this relationship. It felt to me like for some reason they wanted to have this note writing scene where or note passing scene
1: and they wouldn't be able to do that if Maggie was in the house. Well, we needed, we also need Romeo and Juliet uh, to see each other from across a crowded, zombie ridden field. Right. Right. So that, that, that wouldn't be possible if Maggie was in the house.
0: No, I agree with that. But I don't know that that scene added anything to this episode. I mean, Glenn was. No, but it
1: might add to the next one.
0: It might. It might. Um, but they could have done that scene in the next one then, couldn't they have? I don't know that they needed to have that scene here where Glenn sees her and. And I didn't feel any emotional payoff from that. Like Glenn sees her. We already know he's, you know, his whole purpose is to get back to his pregnant wife and so on. And um, so when he sees her across the field, I'm like, well, that's great. Uh, you know, he he sees her. I mean, that's what we know he's trying to do anyways. And uh, And that's that. But it felt to me like they mixed that up. It would have made more sense to have Maggie in the house and having this you know, deep, meaningful relationship as Deanna is dying, but instead they put Michonne in there and that's the one I just didn't buy. So it was all mixed up in different ways for me. Right. So, um, so yeah, I mean, because I think maybe I took too much baggage into this episode, I don't blame the show as much as I might under normal circumstances, and I think that there's this episode probably did have lots to like about it, um, even though I was a little bit disappointed by the whole thing. Right. Um, how did you feel about the ending, though, and just having Sam sort of talking or trying to get his mom's attention and then cut to black?
1: I kind of like that because Sam's a bit of a dick, and, uh, he is endangering the whole group by speaking English because zombies don't speak English and they, uh, they recognize English as mm-hmm. a, a language of the living. So, uh, I thought that added a little bit of tension, uh, at the end and I, I kind of liked it.
0: Yeah. Um, I didn't mind it. I just, again, I wish something bigger had happened at the end, like, we we sort of, it's, it's so ambiguous. Like, yes, he's talking, but there's no indication that that's going to attract the zombies, really. Uh, although, I guess the zombie sounds did intensify as they cut to black, so maybe that means they're starting to get riled up. Um, but I just wanted something bigger. Instead, the episode felt like it just sort of fizzled out, or they needed another five minutes, or something like that. Right. Um, so... But, but I, I wasn't as bothered by that ending as, as some other stuff. And uh, I know, well, I mean, I hope we'll get something big <laughs> in the next episode when it comes back in February. Um, but I kind of expected it to happen here. So All right. um, before we move on, though, there was one more scene. That I don't know if you
1: saw, because it played during the first commercial break of Into the Badlands. I have not seen it, and I suspected that there might be something like this that I did not see.
0: So this was kind of a post-credits scene, but AMC, I guess, is so desperate to get people to watch Into the Badlands, they put it 10 minutes later during that commercial break, um, instead of immediately following the credits for right. this episode. And I'll explain the scene to you if you want. Um, This is a good trial run for that, uh, you know, (laughs) watching a television show where you've seen it and I haven't. Yeah, exactly. Um, I didn't make any notes about this. So I'm doing this completely from memory. Um, And everyone out there, I don't consider this a spoiler. It was broadcast. It was essentially part of this episode. So just consider this to be part of our recap. But it it happened 10 minutes later. Um, So... Uh, Daryl and, um, uh, Abraham and everybody, not everybody, Daryl Abraham and, uh, Sasha are driving down the road in their gas truck. They see some people on the road up ahead and, uh, it's five or six guys heavily armed all with motorcycles, but they're off their motorcycles and they're standing there. So Daryl pulls up, brings the truck to a stop and the guys on the road start yelling at them saying, get out of the truck they don't move. They don't, uh, you know, they don't surround them or anything. They just say, get out. We want to talk to you. So Daryl turns the truck off. They get out, they stand by the truck and the guy, um, the guy basically who's, I don't know, the head guy of this motorcycle gang says, uh, you know, that truck is ours now. We're taking it. And, uh, you're going to have to give us your weapons. You're going to have to give us everything. And I think Daryl says something like, well, why would we do that? And the guy goes on and he says, You know, everything you've got stashed in there, the everything in the glove box, everything, it's ours now. It is now the property of Negan. Oh, that's what he says. And that's it. So there you go. So we know now that this mysterious character named Negan, which we know nothing about, <laughs> <laughs> is going to appear on this television show. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's, you you can't really talk about him without saying Negan is a character from the comic. If you've read the comic, you know all about him. We're not going to spoil that here. We're not going to talk about him here, but, uh, it does appear that there is another group of people and they have a leader whose name is Negan and they seem to like to take stuff from other people.
1: Well, who wouldn't? I guess if you need stuff, you're going to take stuff. It's a a new world order. If you need something and somebody else has it, figure out a way to get it. Figure
0: out a way to make it yours. So this kind of sets up the second half of season six, because I guess this is what they're going to have to deal with in the, in the, uh, back eight episodes of this season. Uh, and we know that Negan, the character has been cast, so it's no secret that he's coming. Um... But show watchers who just watched the show, that's all the information they have at this point. And I didn't mind this scene, uh, but I do feel like, to be honest, that when you couple this with the way the main episode ended with them walking through the crowd, yeah. to me, it almost felt like they were showing us this to make up for the fact that the episode didn't really resolve anything.
1: I think that's something you're bringing to the table. See, I, I told you I'm bringing no, too I'm much No, I'm not timed. T- I don't necessarily <laughs> agree with you on all the other stuff, but I think that uh, that's something that you're bringing to the table. This is a, uh, uh, not, I wouldn't say time-honored, but this is a, uh, a standard thing that you do in movies and television now. This is something that The Walking Dead has done in the past with Morgan showing up, uh, you know, post-credit kind of thing. So this is not new, this is not uh, unexpected, this is just uh, a device that they use. Um, the fact that they used it here doesn't mean that uh, the show was crap and they needed to make up for it.
0: Well... I don't, well, no, you're right, it doesn't. But don't you feel like there's a right way to do this and a wrong way to do it? And the right way- What the hell do I know? I'm not a
1: writer, a professional writer of a television show. (laughs) Are you sure?
0: Some of our listeners seem to think you are. (laughs) (laughs) uh, No, I'd name one show I've written. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I'm sure there's something. Um, What I'm saying, though, is the right way to do this is to show us Morgan. Show us a character that we know- That we are interested in and we are curious about what he's been doing here they show us characters that we know but we know exactly what they're doing they've been driving on the road back to alexandria which seems like it takes pretty long to drive 20 miles um and then they show us a group of people completely out of context and they name drop this character that again show watchers know have never heard before and know nothing about. What does that mean to anybody? Well, it means something to comic readers, but it means nothing to anybody else. What do you think they do in all the Marvel movies, post-credit or mid-credit teasers? They show us something that relates to the movie that you just watched, first of all. They show us a little bit extra, or they show us friggin' Captain America in an Iron Man movie, and everybody understands what that is because they're all part of the Avengers. It Not worked.
1: necessarily. It was before the Avengers, uh, you know, before they even made an Avengers movie. They had, uh, they had, uh, what was it, Agent Colson showing up, uh, post credits talking to somebody about, uh, You know, Shield or something, right? And if you were a comic book reader in in the Marvel Universe, you knew what the hell was going on. But if you were some schmo like me, just watching a movie, not knowing anything about the uh, the Marvel Universe, and it's like, well, that was cool. I better go on the internet and find out what the hell that means. But you know who the character is, and you know that
0: he's important to this story, and you've seen him before. Like, not
1: necessarily. I mean, what was uh, if what was his name with the eye patch? Uh, Nick Fury. Nick Fury, Samuel L. Thank Jackson. You. Yeah, Samuel L. Jackson. I couldn't remember either of those names. All I could remember was guy with eye patch. Right. So the guy with the eye patch shows up and uh, talks <laughs> to whomever. I I can't think of a specific uh, post credit scene, but Nick Fury shows up and or this guy with an eye patch shows up and talks to somebody about doing some damn thing or, uh, you know, I got this. I'm putting together a team. <laughs> I can see you he, remember it really well. <laughs> yeah, it means absolutely nothing to me. I don't know who that guy is. I know who Samuel L. Jackson is. I'm like, okay, that guy uh, was in a scene. He's got an eye patch and he didn't say motherfucker. So it means nothing. But did, and did you feel like that worked or didn't work?
0: Well, it did work. Even though it meant nothing
1: to you. Even though it meant, I didn't know who that character was, but it was a promise of something to come. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's a hint of, uh, you know, future drama or uh, a future tie-in of some kind. So that's what this was. This is known, uh, well-known characters, you know, in a known situation, they're driving their fuel truck. We know how they got the fuel truck. We know exactly what's going on. And then we have a tease of of uh, this uh group of people led by a guy named Negan mm-hmm. you know to people that don't read the comics that's just uh hey what's going on there's this thing called Negan but it's mainly for the comic book readers that go holy shit Negan that's true i i take your point and and
0: but but uh, I, I don't know, for some reason, I feel like it works better in the Marvel movies than it does here. But well, that's
1: because they pioneered the dance thing, Yeah, right? they invented they, the You know, idea. they started the whole, this whole thing and then now everybody's doing it and now it's, you know, gotten to trope level. Almost. So they're, they're jumping on the bandwagon.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, it, I, I didn't mind the scene, but I did think to myself, you know, you're, you're, you're driving down the road in a, in a 10-ton fuel truck, or I don't know how much the thing weighs, whatever, a heavy fuel truck, and you've got a long run coming up to these guys, and you see a bunch of dudes with heavy weaponry and motorcycles in the road, you know, maybe just step on it and take them out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Maybe maybe stopping is not the best idea. I mean... They have assault rifles, right? Huge assault rifles, heavily armed No, no, not the guys. I'm talking about... uh, Oh, uh yeah, Abraham has an assault
1: rifle on his lap. I think. Yeah, and so does uh Sasha.
0: Yeah, she does. Don't they got
1: assault rifles? Friggin' lean out the window and start shooting! Damn it. Well, that's kind of what I was thinking too. It's like or shoot the window, a- shoot the window, and then kick it out. That's a trope. That's definitely a trope. But I was thinking, don't
0: take any chances. Just mow these fuckers down, and uh and you'll be fine. Like, why stop just to have all your stuff taken away? So that kind of bothered me too. But at the same time, I know you know human nature is not to run people over it's to stop and see what's going on so
1: well that's what they teach you in driving school (laughs)
0: don't right run people over (laughs) in the road rule number one (laughs) yeah (laughs) pretty much (laughs) so anyways um that's it that's the mid-season finale um i know i've come off pretty negative on this But I did enjoy this episode, and I'm trying to get out of my own head a little bit and put up my expectations aside, because I don't personally feel it's fair necessarily to judge the whole episode based on what I think it should have been. I mean, maybe a little bit,
1: but... Did did you have a big dinner? You're feeling kind of gassy and a little acid reflux? You know, could that have factored in? Last night, you mean? Yeah.
0: No, I just think... I, I was looking forward to it all day or all week, and as the day went on, I was getting more and more excited, and I'm thinking, here's what they're going to do tonight, and it's going to be amazing, and I can't wait to see this scene. Oh, you got you to gotta calm down. You remember what happened with The Dark Knight? I know, I know, and I you did You went it again. to see it, and you were so excited you couldn't enjoy it. I was so excited I couldn't even pay attention to the movie, which is the problem. Oh, I yeah. I walked out of that the first time seeing it with you, Yeah, and- and, like, I, could, I couldn't I could have told you what happened in that movie. Like, none of it went into my brain. It just sort of went in my eyes and out the back yeah. of my head. It's like we thought we saw it in IMAX. Yeah, and it, it just— It was really good it, in IMAX. It was amazing, but it just—it didn't register with me because I was too busy thinking to myself, oh, my God, I'm seeing Batman or the Dark Knight in IMAX. <laughs> you just have to take a deep breath. Yeah. Everything is fine. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, you just got to get out of your own head. I I have to do that a little bit. And that's why I'm trying not to shit on this episode so much, because I don't think it was a bad episode. I think I just brought too much baggage to the table. Right. Um, But let's take a short break and come back and do some holy crap. Did you see that? Because I think some people's opinions of this will come out in those, too. Cool. So stay with us. We'll be right back. help support the Talking Dead podcast, everybody, you can do so by shopping or using our Amazon link when you do all your shopping at Amazon. Um, As we speak, sitting here today, it is Cyber Monday, and that's when everyone does their online shopping post-American Thanksgiving. Um, So hopefully you used our link when you uh, went to Amazon and you did all your shopping today. Um, But if not, or you still have some shopping to do now that the holidays season is coming up, Please visit TalkingDeadPodcast.com slash Amazon. Click on the Amazon store of your choice to lead straight to that store. And uh, a tiny cut of your purchase comes back to us when you do your shopping. If you want to use the U.S. store, you can even bypass our site altogether and just hit Amazon.TalkingDeadPodcast.com. Hopefully that doesn't confuse anyone, but uh, that's the easiest way to do it. So um, thank you so much to everyone that uh, uses our links before you do all your shopping. It uh, makes us feel great. It's a huge, great way to support us, and uh, we appreciate everyone who does so.
1: Holy crap, did you see that?
0: All right, Jason, welcome back to the program. It's time for Holy Crap, Did You See That? We're going to start off with Damien in Virginia, and Damien writes, Hey, Chris and Jason, my holy crap for this week is the walker that came through the falling wall with his bottom jaw hanging from his rotten flesh.
1: Yeah, we saw him later, too. He He was one of the ones that uh, Deanna shot coming into the house. Oh really? In the hall? Yeah, he was up. Yeah, he was upstairs. He uh, he was one of the ones that Deanna shot just before. Uh, oh. Uh, yeah, I did see that. That was uh, that was
0: quite the thing. That was great. I I like that one a lot too. I noticed him outside, but I didn't notice him upstairs in the hall. But yeah, great positioning. That zombie gets around. <laughs> yeah, he's a
1: yeah he's a he was one of the the, the sprinters. Yes, he was, and stair climbers apparently. So <laughs> yeah. All right. Next we have Gannon in the state that tiptoes through the tulips. Holy crap, did you see Eugene wasting that perfectly good lighter in a perfectly good lit room to read his book? Does he not realize that lighters only have so much lighter fluid? And have, you know, a much potentially more important purpose than reading a book in the light of day. Like lighting fires. Lighting fires. Or smoke, right? Yeah. You got to light a smoke too, and lighters are great at lighting the smoke. Yeah, exactly. I used to have a lighter and I used to use it for lighting smokes. (laughs) Damn,
0: that was some good times. And then the other thing is you turn it on and then wave your finger through it and impress your kids because you don't get burned. Yeah, I do that. I do that with candles sometimes in the house. Do do they they try it and then burn themselves? No, Sophie tried it and she managed not to burn herself. This makes me sound like a horrible parent. (laughs) (laughs) I showed her this trick and she's like, daddy, can I try? And I said, no, you'll burn yourself. And then she just does it. Because she's brave that way and everything yeah. was fine. So it uh, doesn't make you a horrible parent. I be, mean, I used to do that as a kid. Be careful, everyone. Your kids will do things that you tell them not to. <laughs> they will also do things when
1: you tell them to do it, uh, even as a joke. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, hey, wouldn't it be funny? Go slap that pig. You know, <laughs> that sounds like a great idea and it would, sounds hilarious. But if you slap a pig, uh, you, no telling what's going to happen. I
0: saw the other day at the schoolyard near my house some kids this is a rat hole but some kids were playing uh this game where they throw a tennis ball against a wall and there's a group of them and you have to catch the ball without fumbling it but if you fumble it you have to run and touch the wall and then come back and if and while you're running to touch the wall someone else can pick up the ball and whip it at you and I don't know what it's called, but it looks pretty fun. Anyways, they're playing this game and one kid throws it and he just hits the edge of the wall where it turns 90 degrees to go the other way. And somehow the ball hits the edge and ricochets off at a weird angle and just nails a dog that's tied, <laughs> that's tied to a fence nearby. The dog Aww. did not see it coming, got a tennis ball right off the back of its head. Nice. And I felt bad for the dog. But I also thought it was one of the funnier things I saw all day. The dog yep. was fine, but you don't often see a dog getting beaned in the head with a tennis ball.
1: <laughs> no. Uh, not by not on purpose either, right? Like if somebody had whipped the tennis ball at the dog and beaned it off the head, you would have a completely different reaction. Well, that would be that would be cruel and you wouldn't yeah. do that. And you'd be pissed right. off, mad, and go after that kid and and well i don't know what
0: and some and 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 maybe the dog would have seen it coming and able to react but this poor dog was just standing there minding his own business and tennis ball bounced off his head oh it's funny just thinking about i'm sorry dogs of the world (laughs) i don't mean to insult you uh next email comes from brian in troy ohio usa holy crap why give up two pistols to a guy with a knife Muzzle velocity of a 9mm handgun is greater than 1,000 feet per second. He was 10 feet away, so the bullet would hit him in point zero one seconds. His brains would be on the wall before he touched her skin with the knife. Yeah, totally. So That's what you were saying. Just shoot the dude. I mean, hopefully you hit him, but there's no way he could stab her in the neck before that bullet got him in the forehead. Yeah,
1: I totally didn't do the math, but Brian did. And uh, yeah, it works out to me. I mean, 1,000 feet per second is pretty fast. That, well, yeah, it's faster than I can run, I can tell you
0: that. Muzzle velocity, I assume, is the speed at which the bullet leaves
1: the barrel of the gun at? Yes. Okay. That's pretty fast. <laughs> yeah, so, pretty damn fast. All right, thank you, Brian. All right, next we have uh, Vic in Indianapolis. Holy crap, an Aikido master, a ninja, a soldier, a chick in comfortable shoes, and a mullet master, <laughs> and they just let the wolf walk out with fist bumps and a new squeeze? What? Okay, With Fist Bump's new squeeze. Yeah, Fist Bump. He's referring
0: to Tara as Fist Bump.
1: Oh, I see. She used All to right, do so, that a lot. <laughs> right. Okay. So the, yeah, it's got the Fist Bump's girlfriend. Got it. Right. Come on. What happened to shoot first? Ask questions later. You know he's walking, uh, he's walking her out to her death. Put one between his eyes and you have a 50-50 chance of saving Doc Redshirt. And if not, she was going to die anyway. Touché, Vic. Touché. Yeah, <laughs> I, I get that that
0: was a difficult one to read because we had two different nicknames for Terra in one sentence,
1: <laughs> sort of. Yeah, well, we had one for Fistbump and one for Doc Redshirt. Yeah, we also had Mullet Master, uh, Ninja, <laughs> yeah. all kinds of yeah, all, nicknames. all kinds of good
0: stuff. Yeah. Next is Andy in the seaside town that time forgot, Weston Supermare, UK. Holy crap, did you see the state of that alpha wolf's teeth? Morgan needs to get that guy a dentist as well as a doctor, <laughs> or maybe just a toothbrush would do for now. Maybe that's why the wolves invaded in the first place. They were out of toothpaste. I can sit through a lot of gross stuff in this show, but man, I can't stand gross teeth.
1: You don't need toothpaste. Toothpaste is just to make, it's 90% filler and like 10% active ingredient. Well, I mean, it makes it taste better too, and there's a little bit of yeah. f- like fluoride and you know, stuff in there. Yeah, you just put some sand on your toothbrush and brush your teeth away. You're fine.
0: Yeah, that won't scrape away your enamel at all. (laughs) I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm sure it would be fine. (laughs) But speaking of gross teeth, I'm with Andy. I do not like gross teeth and mouth stuff. It really kind of creeps me out. And um, I don't know if anyone out there has been watching Ash vs. Evil Dead, but I do another podcast about that show. And in the last episode oh, there was some gross mouth and teeth stuff. And was there? I, I felt uneasy watching it. Didn't like that scene at all. But uh, go check out the Evil Dead cast if you want to hear me talk about that. Right.
1: All right, next we have, uh, it's me, right? Uh, Yes. Yeah, Sean on the internet. Holy crap, did you saw that? <clears throat> poor Deanna takes a hit from a saw blade just after demonstrating how good she was at zombie killing. Two bullets and the walker still walking. Yeah, so I guess she shot
0: three times and I think she may hit may have hit him in the chest and then winged his ear or something like that. Yeah,
1: she she uh, she hit him in the chest or in the abdomen of some kind of the thorax, if you will. Mm-hmm. And then uh, she hit him on the side of the head, so she winged his temple. Right.
0: So, not really all that effective. Chris, a Torontonian in Philly, writes, Holy crap, it never ceases to amaze me how people, Deanna in this case, would rather spend their last bullets pointlessly shooting up a herd of zombies rather than spare themselves the agony of being ripped apart and eaten alive. Just just save the last bullet for yourself. That's all I ask. Yeah, yeah. Take out as many zombies as you can, but
1: save the last one. We've Raging learned... Defiance is fine. We've learned that on this show, that you should always do that. Does that mean Deanna's going to come back, like we're going to see her again
0: as a zombie? Well, here's the thing, Jason. If you don't see someone die, you they might not be dead. Um, Glenn. We learned that hard. <laughs> we way. learned that the hard way this this season. We did not see her die. We saw a crowd of zombies coming down a hallway at her, who was out of ammunition, we assume and was already bit and therefore dying and very weak anyways. Um if she comes back, I think that will be redonkulous.
1: Well, she might show up as a zombie. She could show up as a zombie. We've only had that happen a couple of times, right? Uh yeah. We've had uh we've had Shane show up as a zombie almost instantly after he was killed, yes. Well, we'll let that slide. Okay. Uh we've had uh Sophia. True. Uh we've had Who else has shown up as a zombie after they died? Uh, Somebody else. Uh, Merle. Did we get Merle as a zombie? I
0: think we did. Because Daryl had to kill him. Remember? Yeah, Daryl had to kill him. Yeah, we had Merle. So we might get Deanna back as a zombie. It's been a while. Uh,
1: It has been a while. That's true. We've had uh, what's her name's sister in the first season. Oh, she first came back. Amy. Yeah. Yeah. Briefly. Anyways. Yeah. Um.
0: Uh, The way I see this playing out, if we do see Deanna again, is they manage to clear out Alexandria, they take care of all the zombies, and then they have to go through all the houses, you know, looking for any stragglers. Or they go back to maybe get Deanna's body and give her a proper burial. They open the door and, oh, look, it's zombie Deanna. Yeah, that'd be dumb. Yeah, but... Why would they go back? Well, they have to clear out the house if they're going to move back in, right? So, but then again, that many zombies in that house... I'm not so sure that house is somewhere you want to live. It might be better just to burn it down <laughs> <And> <laughs> yeah. like sacrifice one house. That's the zombie house, <laughs> you yeah. know. So well, there's probably other zombie houses too. So true. And you when can't burn, doubt, them. burn it down. Can't well, but you can't burn them all down. So I'm sure you can. All right, who's uh, you're up
1: next? All right, we have friend of the show Adam in Texas. Holy crap! Did you see the invincible minifig minifigs during the opening scene? I nearly shat myself. Invincible is Kirkman's other comic, and it is amazing. Yeah, Invincible's pretty good. I've
0: read a bunch of it, but not. I'm nowhere near up to date on Invincible. And uh, stupid me, I saw those little action figures and didn't make the connection to Invincible. But going back now, it's pretty clear that those are the characters from his other books. So good Easter egg there. Yeah. Sally on the internet writes, holy symbolism. Did you see that? Did you see the ants as zombie metaphor? Very nice.
1: Poor Alexandrians are about to get their cookies bit. (laughs) Yeah, the Alexandrians are are cookie. Yes. Nice, sweet cookie left. Why would would a, how old is that kid? He's 10? Yeah, he's young. He might be eight. Why the hell would he leave a half-eaten cookie in the... side of his room. He's disturbed, Jason. A normal child child doesn't leave a half-eaten cookie. You don't leave a half-eaten cookie. That's like walking out of a bar with a little bit of beer left in your glass. It's just You just not, don't do it. It's just not done. Exactly. Yeah. So he's clearly disturbed. All right, next we have Frank on the internet. Holy crap, I just noticed <laughs> it's very awkward to, to spell pussy. <laughs> You got to read this right, though. (laughs) I did. Well, okay. (laughs) (laughs) As in that infection, the wolf is all... Infected and Pussy. In all seriousness, (laughs) holy crap, did you see Deanna's hand over her her life in the previous episode? Uh, The plans she gave Rick were the writer's way of telling us she was done for. Right. So the way I read this, and I'm going to read
0: it again just for fun, Jason. Okay. The way I read this from Frank is, holy crap, I just noticed it's very awkward to spell pussy. (laughs) As in, that infection on the wolf is all infected and pussy. <laughs> so, I get what Frank is saying here. You want to say something is covered in pus, therefore it is pussy, but when you write that down, it's p u s s y, which clearly spells a different word.
1: I think it makes uh it makes a little more sense uh seeing it written <laughs> than it does uh, listening to it, but uh yeah yeah maybe, but it is one of those things that I found was funny anyways, slimy I, is another word like that because if you read a sentence like uh in this if you're reading a sentence, your brain would think it's it's slimy, slimy, okay, yeah, so slimy is slimy, and it's kind of weird it's but it's not quite as awkward as as this situation no no this, uh, this is definitely more awkward uh,
0: anyways, I went looking and I thought there's gotta be a way to make the word pus into an adjective, the adjectival form of the word. Right. So I went looking for it and apparently there's a whole different word and it's, uh, <laughs> pure, purulent, pure, pur, purulent, pur, purulent. <laughs> no, it's, Pardon? I think it's purulent. And that means consisting of containing or discharging pus. <laughs> so, nice. um, purulent, uh, it is, but it, and it is not, it is not so awkward to spell the word purulent. Well, it might be, because it's difficult to spell. There's a lot of U's in it. And it's harder even to say. It's harder to say, that's for sure. Anyways, thank you, Frank, for making me laugh out loud when I read your email. It was uh, very satisfying. It was very funny. (laughs) It was very funny. Uh, Next up is Sharni on the internet. Holy crap. Tara basically confirmed the old, you ain't dead unless we see it, when talking to Rosita in the garage. And she did. She said, because Rosita was saying, I feel like Abraham is dead. And Tara comes out and says, "He's not dead. I didn't see him die." Yep. <laughs> so that's true. We didn't see Rick or we didn't see Glenn die, so he wasn't dead, and we didn't see Deanna die. So this yeah, is Deanna's dead though. This is the rule they're or this is the rule they're setting up, Jason.
1: And I don't like it. I don't like this rule. It's a crappy rule. Yeah. Sure. All right. Is. Next, we have James in Pittsburgh, PA. Holy crap. Fuck you for trying to make me care about Sam. <laughs> he has spent six episodes hiding upstairs and I really don't care about him now. No music, juxtaposition, or action makes me like him more. Yeah, I'm kind of with James here. I'm
0: I'm bored by the Sam is a little pussy <laughs> storyline.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I don't well, know. Well, Sam's got, I think, uh, he seen- I don't know. We're setting Sam up for something. I'm yeah. not sure what, though. It really is. either does. trying to assassinate Rick or trying to get everybody killed for being a pussy.
0: Yes, it sounds like he, <laughs> It's it does seem like he's going to be the cause of the downfall of this walk through the zombies. So uh, they're definitely setting him up for something, but we got to wait three months to find out what it is. Yeah. Uh, okay, next up is Gary in Corby, UK. Hi, guys. My holy shit moment from the last few episodes is Sam's really bad haircut, even though his mom is a hairdresser and then boys are never going to take after their father. They are both little fannies. So, uh, that's, speaking of pussy, yeah, that's the UK version of that version of pussy. I, I think yeah. so. <laughs>
1: Thank you, Gary. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, I'm just, I'm just thinking that, uh, you know, being if their mother is a hairdresser, uh, you know, the fact that her kids have really crappy haircuts is probably pretty normal because who wants their mom to cut their hair, And who no matter w- how good they are. And if she's actually a hairdresser, like
0: by profession, who wants to like bring your work home and do it at home on the evenings and weekends, right? You're just going to half-ass it. So yeah. she half-asses her son's haircuts
1: and saves all of her haircutting power for when she's in the salon. Man, when I was in high school one time, I made my girlfriend cut my hair.
0: Good idea or bad I just, idea?
1: I just decided I'm not going for a haircut anymore. And I told her to cut my hair or asked her to cut my hair. And she said, no, that's stupid. And I convinced her that it was a good idea. It was a horrible haircut. She really messed it up. But at the point in my life, I really couldn't give a shit. Well, I currently hold the world record for longest time going without paying for a haircut. I don't know. It's been 10, 15 years for me.
0: Yeah. For me, it's been since... Uh, 1990. Oh wow. <laughs> I started growing my hair in high school and it got pretty long. Cuz before that, uh you didn't. Uh, no, like no, no, it, no. it just it didn't grow. I st- <laughs> that's right. It just didn't grow. No, I I was getting haircuts before that. I was bald till I was 14 <laughs> and then I decided this year I'm going to start growing my hair. <laughs> I'm going to start growing it now. <laughs> no, I uh, I started growing my hair long in high school because that's what kids in rock bands in high school do, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, I had hair down to my shoulders in high school. Exactly. Grade nine. And then I grew it and I had the long hair pretty long until I basically finished high school. And then after my first year of university, I came home and uh, shaved my head myself and never looked back. So I didn't get a haircut since the beginning of high school, and then once I started shaving it, I just have buzzed my own hair since then. So I have not paid for a professional haircut in a
1: long time. See, when you said I haven't, you haven't paid for a haircut in a long time, I, I just envisioned you going to a barbershop and then bolting before uh, giving them any money. <laughs> no. Screw you, pal! I'm not paying for that!
0: Yeah, no, that's not how it works. I haven't been to a barbershop in that long. I did have my beard trimmed professionally once, but that doesn't count, I'm talking about haircut. That just seems weird. Yeah, it's I hold the world record as far as I know. And if anyone can
1: dispute me, well, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> Great. All right, moving on. We have Andrea in West Virginia, USA. Holy crap, did you see how craptastic this episode was? I feel like none of the characters are acting like they should. Rick leaving Judy alone, no, I'm sorry, Rick leaving Judy alone with this horde. The kid Sam left alone in his room blaring music again with a horde. Glenn climbing a tree, Carol caring about the wolf during a time like this. The only two acting normal are Maggie, who's stuck and exhausted, and Eugene, because it's in his skill set. <laughs> right. I was really disappointed with this one. And little brat Sam at the end, holy ca- holy crap, kid, shut up. Yeah, good point. Uh, the only reason
0: Maggie was acting normal in this episode is because we didn't see her at all. She climbed up on a platform and lay down exhausted. Yeah. Uh, she was sleepy. Yeah. But I wish we got more of Maggie.
1: I, for some reason, always want more of Maggie. And well, it's- she's tired because uh, uh, women in their first trimester. I heard, I read somewhere that uh, uh, they're exhausted all the time because making, you know, making the baby is like climbing a mountain. It's hard work. It's a lot of work. So I hear. That's what I've heard. That's <laughs> what they tell me. Right. That's
0: what they tell me. <laughs> Next is Jennifer in Las Vegas. Holy crap! That's it. Feels like we should have had at least 15 more minutes of show. I kept, I kept expecting something to happen and it never did. It was a lot of anxiety for nothing.
1: Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. I don't know if it was all for nothing, but I know how you feel, Jennifer. Yeah. So next we have Michael in London. My holy crap moment was poor Daryl after ha- after having all his bits nicked off him from the Hanson tribute band the other week. <laughs> yeah. The only scene he's in this week involves him getting more of his possessions taken. How bad is his luck? Yeah. In the uh, post credit scene, they just take
0: all his stuff. So he's gonna see. Have... I felt
1: really weird because I didn't see the post credit scene uh, and yes. I read this uh, this holy crap earlier today and I'm like, yeah, I think I may have missed something. <laughs> There's something there that I'm I didn't see. not pay attention to the whole episode? <laughs> yeah,
0: no, you, uh, you, I think it's out there I or AMC may have put the clip out. So after this, you should go watch it. Yeah. You need to be, uh, you need to be a completist when it comes to Walking Dead footage. All right. Matt in Clementon, New Jersey says, Canadian brethren, I haven't had a holy crap to send in lately. So I tried to find one in this episode. Holy crap, did you see the headshot that wasn't a headshot? When Deanna was following Rick outside, she shot one zombie in the chest and then went for the head. Only she grazed it and probably took an ear off. It reminded me of when Andrea nearly killed Daryl in season two. Right. That's a good analogy. When Andrea was on top of the RV and she sees Daryl limping along, thinks he's a walker and takes the shot and then,
1: you know, wings him. It's, uh, make sure you know your target. Do you think that was, uh, that shot, that headshot that just winged him, do you think that was planned or do you think the, uh, the extra didn't fall down properly, uh, and so they had to adjust the, uh, practical effect to not have him dead? It wouldn't
0: have been a practical effect if they had to adjust it because- Well, it would have been a special effect. Yeah, because practical would have been in the moment, but, um, maybe- <clears throat> he didn't fall down right, so they're like, "Well, all right." She just winged him in the ear. We'll add a yep. little splash of blood there, and that's it.
1: Who knows? Could be. Anyway, that's my theory. My holy C asterisk asterisk P. Tell everyone who this is from. This is from Jack in really rainy England. Thanks, Chris. No problem. <laughs> My holy crap, did you see that, is the beautiful full circle that The Walking Dead completed in this episode. Maggie lying on her back up in the watchtower with zombies reaching up whilst the camera slowly pans up, looking awfully similar to how we found Glenn after the prison was assaulted. He too was on his back atop a raised platform with zombies reaching up. Only difference was the camera was panning down. Great cinematography.
0: Very good. Good catch there, Jack, that uh, they, they do these sort of parallel scenes, I think, more than we realize on this show, although they do tend to really like the uh, straight down, you know, um, aerial view of stuff, which we see a lot. But another good one here. hmm Okay, a few more. Angie in Birmingham writes, holy crap, the last 10 minutes. The tension in that house was incredible. As for the stench coat, I know they've used it before, but never in such confined spaces. That was so close. It was claustrophobic. You think they really could get all the guts from only two zombies? Uh, I don't know. There's a lot of guts inside people, but I don't know. Yeah, they might've needed a, a bit more. Um,
1: well, it's not like they didn't have enough, but we just, we know that they only took two. That's true. That's
0: true. I don't know. I guess, I guess they can. They were very uh, juicy zombies. Yeah.
1: Full of of guts. Uh, Yeah. So next we have uh, Gemma in Wales. My holy crap moment was, of course, when Rick thought Deanna was eating Judith. I was thinking, oh my God, are they actually going to do this? My heart was in my mouth. Then Deanna's, it's still me, line was great. Yeah. They've teased us with Judith's
0: death a bunch of times now. And I hope one of these times she's actually dead. They can't kill a baby on the show. I know we've been through that many times. Not on
1: screen. You can't do it on screen. They can come in afterwards and go, oh my God, Judith is dead. Well, so what are they going to do? They're just going to string her
0: along and keep her around for the whole run of the show? I guess. Uh, Yeah, I assume so. You know, she'll be the last baby standing when everyone else is dead. You can't
1: kill a baby on network television. I'm telling you. Okay, well, I guess not,
0: but they're gonna have to deal with this somehow, or just slowly write her out of the show. <laughs> maybe, maybe they'll forget her somewhere.
1: Damn it, we left the baby in the house. <laughs> oh my gosh, oh,
0: she'll be fine. We traveled a hundred. That's even worse, dude. <laughs> that is so much worse than killing a baby yeah. by a zombie, leaving her in a house alone. Oh, that just that makes me ache. That would be so bad. <laughs> yeah. Finally, Brad of the Dead in Osaka, Japan writes, holy shit snacks, did you see that? There was a bride walker in the house scene in her wedding dress complete with a white veil. I guess there was some pretty nasty wedding crashers at that wedding.
1: Yeah. I did
0: not see this. I have to go back. I did not either. I have to go back and check this out because that maybe is the first bride zombie. Well, it's definitely the first bride zombie we've seen in this show, I think. So, um... Good catch, Brad. I'm going to go look for that. I haven't, I didn't notice it, but that's cool. I didn't either. All right. That is it for Holy Crap. And I think that is it for our podcast. So uh, thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. We will return on Wednesday night in a couple of nights with all the, all the rest of your feedback for this episode. So send in your emails and your voicemails and stuff like that, and we'll get as much of it on as we can then. Um, and, uh, and then we will probably take a little bit of time off, uh, not too long, of course, uh, but we won't have new episodes to talk about until February. So coming up though, we have me going to Walker Stalker Con in New York, which is next weekend, yeah. So I arrived there on Friday. I'm there for the whole weekend. So uh, if you want to say hi or hang out or, or you know, buy me a drink, you can do that. Just not too many because I'll have my, my daughter in tow.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And I have to stay <laughs> competent the whole time. <laughs> yeah, and you can't just buy her drinks. <laughs> can't buy her drinks unless they're, you know, juice. Apple juice is fine. She likes Apple that. Apple juice is fine. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, but I'll be down there in New York slash New Jersey for Walker Stalker cons. So, uh, say hi if you see me and, um, And then we will be at some point reviewing the latest novel in uh, the series of Walking Dead novels written by Jay Bonansinga. So we'll be back to do that over the break. And I'm sure some other stuff as well. Talk about uh, some Walking Dead news or maybe do a little bit more of a spoiler type episode where we talk about the comics a bit or talk about what we think is upcoming on the show. So we'll see if we can get that arranged um, and uh, out the door. Um, but, uh, that's it. If you want to get in touch with us, you can, uh, visit our website at talkingdeadpodcast.com and click on send voicemail to record a message that gets sent in. You can email us at talkingdeadpodcast at or find us on Facebook at facebook.com or Twitter at talking Dead. Um, Twitter was way more, uh, confusing than usual this week,
1: Jason. I find it I must be getting old cuz I find it confusing in general.
0: Well, here all too
1: many hashtags.
0: I'll I'll tell you why. Twitter was super confusing. It's it's confusing on a on a good day for me because of course as everyone knows we share the name with AMC's Talking Dead show which also happens to be hosted by a guy named Chris. So that's confusing to begin with because a lot of people tweet at our hashtag Um, or sorry, tweet at us thinking they're tweeting the AMC show. But this week, (laughs) one of the guests on that show was named Jason. Oh no. (laughs) It was Jason Alexander, who you may know from such characters as George Costanza. So it was extra confusing having two guys named Chris and Jason on a TV show called Talking Dead. And uh, I can see how that can be confusing. We got a, a, I mean, people tweeted at us a ton and I tried to follow along and filter out what was for us and what was not, but it was getting difficult. So, um, hopefully they don't do that anymore and I can keep track of what's going on on Twitter. And I tried to. Hopefully
1: they'll just shut down Twitter altogether.
0: Yeah. So or, was all some or, confusion. AM,
1: or AMC's show. That would be fine too. Yeah. Shut down the show. Yeah. Yeah. It's, just stop the confusion right now. I, I don't see why not.
0: Um, anyways, at talking dead on Twitter is us. If you want to tweet at us and, uh, hopefully I'll figure out it is for us. Uh, thank you so much, everyone. Remember to use our Amazon link at talking slash Amazon when you do your shopping there and, uh, we will be back on Wednesday. So until then, my name is Chris.
1: And my name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao.